If you could summarize yourself in three words, what three words would you use? It's really a difficult question when you think about it because there's a lot of stuff that makes you, you. But if you go through the exercise, if you try to distill yourself down into three words, it'll help you distinguish yourself and determine what makes you different from everyone else. And being a Christian really falls into that experience as well. There are a lot of things that go into being a Christian. But when push comes to shove, uh, the Bible will condense it down into three characteristics, three distinguishing features, if you will. Faith, hope, and love. These are the things that, that should characterize all who call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. We should be growing in these things, and they should be so a part of us that they distinguish us from everyone else. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these characteristics. We're, we're going to uh, look at what they are, um, how they should be, should be showing up in our lives, and how we can grow in them. So tonight we're going to start by looking at the first characteristic. We're going to look at faith. And there is really no better place to explore the concept of faith uh, than Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're unfamiliar with that chapter it's bec- uh, of the Bible, it's often referred to as the hall uh, of faith. Uh, because it contains a number uh, of people who are remembered for being Hall of Famers in the faith department. And so uh, it should be no surprise that our chapter begins giving us a definition of faith. Here it is. Verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. That's a helpful definition, but I find it a little abstract. So let's try to solidify it a little bit. Every year, around September... A lot of people in Northeast Ohio place their faith in the Cleveland Browns. Uh, They hope that the Browns will win the Super Bowl this year, and they have the assurance that this year is the year. It doesn't matter that they haven't seen them play any other teams. They are convinced that this is going to be the year. And and, and that's really what faith is in its most basic form. Faith is, is belief in something. And what should be obvious from from that example is that what you believe in matters. That belief for the sake of believing in something doesn't do you any good. And so when the Bible talks about having faith, it's not just faith in anything, but faith in certain things. And the writer of Hebrews narrows that down for us in verse 6. He says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and then he rewards those who seek him. And this is normally how we understand faith. Faith is knowing and accepting truths about God. And what happens when we think that way is we reduce faith to a moment in the past. Uh, We say to ourselves, well, years ago I made a decision on this date. I confess my sins and I believe X, Y, and Z about God, therefore I have faith. And faith certainly includes a decision, a moment in time, but faith includes more than that. Uh, and that really becomes clear as you read through the rest of the chapter, but I think, I think just the end of the chapter uh, will, will, will suffice. Uh, I'm hopping down to verse 32. Here's how the writer continues. But, uh, sorry, let me turn the page. Aha, there we go. Okay, 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, 
Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made, a, made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Now those are two very distinct lists. One is some really cool stuff, one not so much. But there's one thing that unites all of them. They are all the results of faith because faith always plays out in action. Uh, and I think this is well illustrated in the movie The Secret Life of Pets, uh, if you've ever seen it. Uh, so in that movie, the, the two protagonists, the two dogs, are escaping from a, uh, an animal control pound van. And they're assisted by a rabbit who ends up being the leader of a, a group of underground pets called the Society of Washed, Out, Washed Away Pets. And they are a, a disgruntled group of animals who hate humans because they have been rejected by them. And that's really important because the rabbit only helped them because they said they had faith in his cause, that they believed in it and they hated the humans too. But when it came time to put that faith into action, to be bit by the one-fanged viper, uh, they chickened out, they backed out. And that's because their faith wasn't real. Their faith wasn't playing out in action. Uh, see, normally we think about faith as this internal, private thing, and, and, and that's certainly true, but, but what these verses at the end of the chapter are drawing our attention to is that faith also has a social element to it. Uh, by that, I mean it plays out in real life, and we could put a number of words to that. Uh, obedience, loyalty, allegiance, um, but, but all of them are that social element that accompanies belief. So like take the prophet Isaiah, for example. He believed in God. And the way we know that is because he was sawn in two, right? That, that he was so loyal to God that he chose to be sawn in two, to die rather than reject God. And so his faith is known by his loyalty. And so, so here's what I'm trying to say. Faith in the Bible is far larger than just cognitive belief. It's just stuff that you think is true. And so the best way I think I can summarize it is this. Faith is believing loyalty. It, it's trusting allegiance. It's bringing head and action together. And so if you are a follower of Christ, if he's your savior and king, one of the distinguishing characteristics of your life should be your trust and allegiance to him. Sadly, though, most of us aren't characterized by that type of, of faith, and, and I think that's because our functional play, faith is placed elsewhere. And I, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. I think sometimes we treat faith as an all-or-nothing type of thing. That I have, I have faith in God, I have faith in nothing else, and that's just not true. Uh, the way the Bible talks about it, it is that we're, we're double-minded. We like to oscillate between a lot of different things, trusting in God, trusting in other things. And so the best way I can, I can explain this or illustrate it is really... Uh, with a bracket. Uh, we are all familiar with the, uh, the sports bracket, right? Uh, first seed, second seed, so on, so forth. Our faith, our, our believing loyalty functions just like a sports bracket, except there are no upsets. 
So the first seed always beats the second seed. The third seed always beats the fourth seed. So on and so forth. And so in the Bible's mind, to have faith in God means that God is your number one seed, that he is your supreme allegiance, uh, that, that you are looking to him for your value and worth. Here's the problem. Uh, there are a lot of other things that we are loyal to and have allegiance to as well. Good things, right? We could say family, friends, etc. We could keep going down the list, but you get the point, right? That there are other good things in our life that we are loyal to, uh, etc. It becomes a problem, though, because sometimes these things try to throw an upset. They try to move themselves up to the first seed. And, and this is really where... Um, this is really where our, our struggle is. This is, by the way, why we struggle with sin, or why we struggle with sin sometimes and not others. It's because of our internal bracket system. So here, easy example. Let's suppose you have a really big test at school. Like this is gonna make or break your grade, okay? And you have the opportunity to cheat. Whether you cheat or not will depend where God is in the bracket, for example. If God is in the first slot and grades are in the second slot, who wins? God. Because you have a greater loyalty to God than to grades. Therefore, you are obedient to him. You do what he says. Flip it, though. If God is the underdog and grades has the higher loyalty, what are you going to do? You're going to cheat because you have to have this. You have to have the grades. Does that make sense? And so the reason that we struggle so much with faith is not because we don't believe, it's because we aren't loyal. We're looking for other things, for worth and satisfaction and significance. And there's a number of ways you can figure out what your, where your loyalties lie. It normally has to do with uh, how you spend things. How do you spend your time? What do you spend time talking about? What do you spend your time thinking about whenever you don't have to think about anything? Um, and we can go on and on, but, but are you with me so far? Are you tracking? Okay, so faith is trusting allegiance. It's having God as your number one seed. And the reason that we aren't often characterized by faith is because God isn't always our number one seed. And so to grow in faith, we have to figure out how to keep God in that number one slot. And so very quickly, three uh, three ways or steps to growing in faith. First, we need to repent. Uh, and this is where we hold up the competition, we compare it to God, and we say, this is so much less than he is. Uh, repentance is, is just acknowledging how wrong we are to, to turn to lesser things. And so, so by repenting, it helps us keep all the contenders in check. Uh, but repentance by itself isn't enough. We also have to rejoice. Uh, and, and rejoicing, we normally kind of just pigeonhole into singing songs on Sunday. But to rejoice in something really means uh, to reflect on how great it is. Um, to think about why it's worthy of being in the number one, one, number one seat. I mean, think about it. Why would people be beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, sawn into, etc., for God? Why is he worthy of that type of faith? Because of his loyal love towards you. Because he went to the cross to save you, to see you flourish, 
to give you purpose and meaning. And when we dwell on this, when we, when we keep this at the forefront of our mind, it, it keeps him or moves him up to that number one seed. And there's a number of ways you can do this day in and day out. Read your Bible, pray, sing, journal, talk about what God is doing with other believers, etc., etc. But the idea is that if we want to grow in faith, to grow our trusting allegiance in God, then we have to rejoice in Him. We have to rehearse His worthiness of our faith. And so repent, rejoice, and then represent. Um, we have to make willful decisions to be loyal to Him. Day in and day out, as you walk down the halls or you go to your sports teams or what have you, you are faced with opportunities to be loyal to God and what he has said or loyal to something else. And we need to make willful decisions uh, to be loyal to him. Not just out of dutiful obedience, but because we have those first two things in place. We've seen how wonderful he is, how worthy he is to be loyal to. And so one of the distinguishing features that should be developing in you if you are a follower of Christ is faith. It, it's, it's trusting allegiance. Mm-hmm.